As I was looking through the old antique box, I heard a scream from behind me, and I dropped the amulet as the box slammed shut. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. Some quick thank yous before I start this episode. You've all been so generous and supportive of this podcast. So thank you to Lorraine Bailey, Keenan Grossman, and Jennifer Seals for your recent donations. As I always say, podcasts cost money, and I wouldn't be able to keep this one going without you. So if you'd like to support the podcast, please check out my website at myparanormalstory.com. You can buy a My Paranormal Story coffee mug or t-shirt, or just click on the PayPal or Venmo button to make a donation. I also want to send a big thank you out to everyone who sent me emails over the past couple of weeks. I love answering your questions and hearing your paranormal stories. So feel free to reach out to me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. One more quick favor, if you don't mind. I recently started adding the podcast to YouTube and could use some more subscribers. Just go to youtube.com slash myparanormalstory and click on subscribe. It would help me out a lot. All right. Thanks again so much for listening and for your support. And now here's this week's episode. We had been dating for less than a year. Her name is Monica, and we met through some mutual friends at a local bar one night. She was a New Yorker, but a Mets and Bills fan New Yorker. You know, the good kind. She had graduated from Providence College a few years earlier and took a job in Rhode Island. And aside from sports teams, we actually did have a lot in common. She was a bit of a nerd like me, She enjoyed video games, the X-Files, and horror movies. We only dated for a couple of years, but we're still friends to this day. We often will chat on Facebook about new movies or some of the paranormal TV shows. She's married now with kids and living back in New York again. But the other day, I was playing with my cat, and I was reminded of the time Monica and I went away together. It wasn't really a vacation, per se, but it was a weekend I'll never forget. One day out of the blue, Monica told me she needed to go back home for a few days to help her family. Her grandfather had passed away, and her parents needed help cleaning out his old house in upstate New York. When I told her I was sorry for her loss, she sort of brushed it off. She explained that she wasn't very close to her grandfather. No one in the family really was. Her grandmother had died when she was just a baby, and I I guess her grandfather sort of became a, a recluse. She remembered visiting on the holidays and a couple of times in the summer as a kid, but for the most part, she really never knew him. And that's when she sprung the big question on me. Do you want to come to New York with me? My parents won't mind, she said. They're dying to meet you anyway. 
before I knew it, it was Friday morning and we were on our way to New York. And I was a little nervous to be meeting Monica's parents for the first time, and in such a strange way. I'd be helping clean out the house of her father's deceased father. Four hours or so later, we were driving down a long dirt road that eventually became the driveway for her grandfather's house. It was huge, like something out of Little House on the Prairie, but it had definitely seen better days. We parked the car and made our way to the front porch where Monica's mom and dad were already waiting for us. Her mom was friendly and bubbly, just like Monica, and came right over and gave me a big hug. So nice to finally meet you, she said. We've heard a lot about you. And as usual, I turned into my shy self when I first meet people. But then her father approached me and shook my hand. Hey, thanks for offering to help out this weekend. I don't remember offering, but uh, I just said, sure, no problem. I'm happy to help. Monica's dad had grown up in this big old house, but as he was giving us a tour, it almost seemed like it had been his first time there. The front porch was old with wooden planks that felt like they could break under your feet at any time. And the front door was huge and heavy looking. And that led right into the front foyer that had a large staircase that was probably quite stunning back in its day. And it was an old grandfather clock up against the wall that looked like it hadn't worked in years. The ceilings were tall and the doorways were all wide. The inside of the house felt bigger than the outside. The first room we entered was the living room, and all of the old man's furniture was still in the same place. There was an old TV in the corner and an old, worn-out rocking chair right in front of it. His favorite spot to sit, I'm guessing. There was an old couch against the wall and a couple of matching chairs across from it, and the coffee table had old magazines on it with an old ashtray. His pipe was still sitting in it. Heading into the dining room, I could see an old antique table with six chairs around it, all unused for many years, like everything else in the house, I imagine. Off of that room was the kitchen, which was cluttered with dishes and pots and pans, some used, some not used, but all pretty dirty. As we headed back towards the stairs to go to the second floor, I noticed a door that was locked with a deadbolt. The basement, I assumed. Upstairs, there were three bedrooms. The first one was a decent size. It had a queen-size bed, a bureau, and a closet. It was actually neat and tidy, but you could tell it had gone unused for quite some time. Now, the second bedroom had been converted into what looked like a sewing room. For the grandmother at one time, I suppose and it hadn't been used in quite some time either. Decades, probably. It was filled with old mannequins and tables with cloth and needles and scissors, all that stuff. Most of it probably antique by now. And in the middle of the room was an old sewing machine with a chair in front of it. It was almost like traveling back in time to when Monica's grandmother would 
spend hours making clothes for friends and family. The master bedroom was huge. It had what must have been a king-size bed with four posts and an old canopy on top. And this room looked like it was being used. It must have been where the old man slept every night. And you could actually tell that even after all those years of being a widower, that he still stayed to his side of the bed. Around the room, there was an armoire in one corner and a huge bureau up against the wall and a giant dusty mirror right in the middle of it. The closet was open and filled with clothes, some of them women's clothes. Don't worry, Monica's mother said. We're going to clean up in here and put fresh sheets on the bed for you. Wait, what? I looked at Monica and she stared back at me and quietly whispered to me, Surprise. No one really had any idea where we should start. I suggested the kitchen. So Monica and I tackled it with a bunch of trash bags and some gloves. And her father started moving some of the smaller furniture into the truck. Honestly, I felt like a dumpster would have made more sense, but antiques are antiques, I guess. Meanwhile, her mom was upstairs cleaning. So while I had Monica to myself, I asked her, Are we really staying here with your parents tonight? And she said, No. They've got a hotel room a few miles away. We were going to have this house all to ourselves. Then all of a sudden from upstairs, her mom screamed. And we all went running up there to find out what was going on. She was up against the wall in the hallway holding her chest. Embarrassed but obviously startled, she said that she thought she saw someone standing in the doorway but it turned out to just be one of those mannequins in the sewing room. I'm such a scaredy cat, she said. I looked around for a minute, and to be honest, those mannequins were a bit creepy. How about we just close this door for the night, I said. Before we knew it, it was just about dinner time. Your parents took us out for dinner at a nearby restaurant, and we made plans to get an early start in the morning. After dinner... Monica's parents headed off to their hotel, and Monica and I went back to the grandfather's house. Now, I thought the house looked creepy during the daytime, but now the sun had gone down, and this house was straight out of a horror movie. The first thing I did when we went inside was turn on the TV. I was hoping the noise would make the house feel a little less spooky. The cable TV wasn't hooked up anymore, so I had to resort to the old-fashioned way of watching TV with rabbit ears. Surprisingly, we were quite relaxed and comfortable. We had stopped for some snacks and drinks on the way back, and the couch was big enough for us to lie next to each other while watching TV. The long day of driving and cleaning had caught up to both of us. And before we knew it, we had dozed off on the couch. But at one point, I remember waking up to the sound of scratching. I couldn't tell what it was. 
so I reached over Monica and turned the volume down on the remote. As I looked across the room, I could see something near that basement door. It was hard to see at first with only the TV lighting up the room, so I sat up and looked closer. And it looked like a paw, like a cat's paw, sticking out from under the basement door. How did a cat get in there? How long has it been there? Wait, was this the grandfather's cat? It's been down there for over a month if it is. I immediately woke up Monica. There's a cat in the basement. What? <laughs> she said. I just saw a cat reaching its paw out from under the basement door. Are you sure? She said. Of course I'm sure. We gotta find the key. So we started looking through drawers and cabinets, and finally Monica found a set of keys on a hook behind a door in the kitchen. But none of the keys would fit this deadbolt lock. Why is this door even locked, I thought to myself. We pressed our ears against the door, and I swear I could hear noise on the other side. But Monica couldn't hear anything. I got down on the floor and tried to look through the crack under the door. And as soon as I pressed my head on the floor, I could see an eyeball staring back at me. I jumped up and said, we've got to get this door open. I think I have a crowbar in my car. I ran outside and grabbed it from my trunk and went back inside. I think I heard it too, Monica said with her ear pressed up against the door. Somehow I was able to jimmy the lock without breaking it and we swung open the door. I found a light switch on the wall. I turned it on and an old dim light bulb lit up the old dusty wooden stairs. With Monica right behind me, we slowly crept down. The walls and floor were cement and covered in dirt and dust. And the air smelled rotten. I looked around for evidence of footprints in the dust, human or feline, but I didn't see any. Monica kept calling out for the kitty, but nothing ever came. At the bottom of the stairs, I noticed an old trunk. Oddly, it was the only thing in the basement that wasn't completely covered in dust. As Monica looked around for the cat, I couldn't help but open this trunk to see what was in it. I slowly opened it, like I was in a horror movie, expecting a monster to pop out. But it turned out to just be filled with lots of junk. Books and papers and whatnot. I rifled through it a bit and looked at a couple of the books. And some of them felt heavy, with leather covers. But I couldn't read the writing on them, though. It was some foreign language. German or Russian, maybe. But then I noticed something strange on a couple of them. Underneath the titles, they had what looked like to be a pentagram. Five-pointed star in a circle. Something that's usually used in witchcraft. Most of the papers were aged with faded pencil writings on them. I really couldn't make them out in the dim light, but I was very curious. 
And as I continued to sort through the box, I came across what looked like a, a large amulet of some kind. It was heavy and about the size of a golf ball. There was a strange-looking stone inside of it, red or purple. And it was wrapped by something gold and rigid, like maybe a snake. I thought to myself, what is this thing? Suddenly from behind me, I heard Monica scream. I dropped the amulet and the box lid slammed shut. I ran over to see what was making her scream. And laying in front of her was a dead cat. From the looks of it and the smell of it, it had been dead for a while. This couldn't have been the cat I saw sticking its paw under the door. Could it? Monica covered it up with an old rag she found nearby and we headed back upstairs. When we got to the top step, I noticed the house was a lot darker. Did you shut the TV off? I asked Monica. No, she said. We fumbled our way through the dark to the front staircase and turned on the light. And that's when we both jumped as the grandfather clock chimed. We quickly ran up the stairs into the bedroom with the hopes of getting some sleep somehow while knowing there's a dead ghost cat in the basement. We slipped into the bed and eventually fell asleep. But not for too long. Once again, I was woken up to a strange noise coming from outside the bedroom. Monica was sound asleep, but I swear I could hear the distinct clicking sound of something in the hallway. This time I just stayed in the bed. I closed my eyes and thankfully fell back to sleep as the sound faded away. The next morning, I awoke to the sound of Monica's parents coming into the house. We quickly got dressed and headed downstairs. But as I followed Monica out of the bedroom, out of the corner of my eye, I thought I saw a person standing in the doorway. I turned quickly and realized it was just one of those creepy mannequins in the sewing room again. But wait a minute. I thought I had closed that door. We got downstairs, and before we could even tell her parents about our night, her father noticed the basement door. Why is this open, he said. Well, we heard something strange from down there, Monica told him. So we pried it open. There's a dead cat down there. And without missing a beat, her father just headed down there with a trash bag. Almost as if he wasn't surprised at all. Her mother didn't seem too shocked either. We brought bagels, was her only reaction. But at some point, Monica must have said something to her mom about what we had experienced during the night, because she insisted that her father get us a hotel room with them for the night. And that next morning, Monica and I headed back to Rhode Island. 
And I was reminded of this story the other day as I was playing with my cat. He was chasing his toy from inside of a box. And when he stuck his paw through one of the holes, I couldn't help but think about Monica's grandfather's house. Which, by the way, is the same house that Monica and her husband and kids now live in. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please visit my website at MyParanormalStory.com and click on the Donate button. The podcast is also available now on YouTube. Just head over to YouTube.com slash MyParanormalStory. Check it out and subscribe. And if you're looking for something to read, my first book called The 10 Best Tools for Ghost Hunting is available on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. If you ever wanted to know more about the tools and gadgets used in paranormal investigation, give it a read. And please feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. And if you have a podcast and would like to have me as a guest, or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. I always respond. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story.